Tonight we're going to uh, we're going to begin studying about the predictions for the last generation. First of all, I want to tell you that I believe we are the last generation. I believe that we are they upon whom the ends of the world have come. I firmly believe that, and uh, I, I just I believe that the coming of the Lord is nearer than what we really can even imagine. But I. There, I got to looking at this lesson today. There's a lot of lot of material here. I'm going to do my best to get through what I can tonight, and what I can't get through. Guess what? We'll pick it up next Wednesday. I'm not shy about splitting these lessons up, and especially when it comes to these end time lessons, because we're, we we want to talk about where we are. We've we've started in Genesis one, and we've come all the way through the Word of God, and uh, we've laid out a, a lot of things for you, but. These last two lessons are so vital and so important because we are, we are people of the end time, and I believe that. So let's start with uh, chart one. Here we are. Let's, let's talk about signs of the end time. You know, the, the disciples of the Lord came to him one day with a probing question, and they said to him in Matthew chapter 24, it's one of the most prophetic Books or one, excuse me, one of the most pro- pro- prophetic chapters in the Gospels, and this is what they said: "Tell us when the, shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and the end of the world?" And and the Lord answered them. He did not leave them in a state of uncertainty, but he pinpointed some particular things, and he named some things that were going to be happening. Uh, there are three hundred and 18 references to the return of the Lord Jesus in the New Testament. I want you to remember that because what we're talking about is how close we are to the coming of the Lord. When the Lord comes, the day of the Gentile is over. Does everybody understand that? The time for Gentiles to be saved stops at the coming of the Lord. Paul said it this way to the church at Thessalonica. He said, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. He said the church is going to be aware of the day of the coming of the Lord. And I believe that tonight. I believe that we are going to have, I don't believe we know the day nor the hour, but I believe we can read the signs of the times and align them up with the word of the Lord and we can understand the day that we're living in. Do you believe that? I believe if we, if we study the Word of God and we are spiritual and we pray and we seek God's face, we know that we do not have long. So Jesus and his apostles listed several specific world conditions that would exist during the lifetime of a single generation. And we're going to take a look at some of those signs uh, in just the, the next little while and talk about how we got to where we are. First of all, he said there would be wars and rumors of wars. You see that on the left-hand side. Well, that's, that's a no-brainer. And, uh, you know, I, got, I, I was looking at our study today. This study that I'm, I'm giving you has been around a long, long time, over 50 years, and, and they updated it in the 90s. And so I was reading some of the things that were in the update well, guess what? Back then it was wars and rumors of wars. It was Iraq war, and it, and it, and it was uh, 
it was, it's just been war after war, and you know this, uh, back during my lifetime, during my lifetime, we've watched the Vietnam War. We've watched the, the war, the, war, the six-day war in uh, 1967. We, you know, I've watched the Iraqi war. I've, I've, watched, I've watched the war now that is happening in Ukraine and Russia and, and wars between Israel and the Arabs and all kind of war, wars and rumors of wars. The Bible said in the sixth chapter of Matthew 24, Jesus said, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff to talk about when you talk about wars and rumors of wars. You know, the Bible said in the book of Acts, when in, in Acts chapter 2, as a matter of fact, speaking of the great outpouring of the Holy Ghost and the prophecies that were going to come with the outpouring of revival, and uh, in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 19, the Bible said, And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The Greek word for heavens is Uranus, and the root word is uranium. And this is the principal element of atomic energy. And Peter stated when he was preaching that these wonders will occur just prior to the day of the Lord or the second coming of the Lord. So when you talk about these things, you're actually talking about nuclear war. Does anybody here understand how close we are to a nuclear war? And I want to tell you what I believe we're going to study about that in this lesson. Armageddon is not going to be just horses and foot soldiers, it's going to be a nuclear war. The destruction of Armageddon and uh, the things that are coming up on this world, ladies and gentlemen, I believe it's very close. You can read your news this very day and see where Iran is closer than it's ever been to a nuclear weapon. That's all because this world is gearing up Talk about some of those things in just a few minutes. There's going to be poverty in the last days and famine and pestilence. The Bible said in Matthew 24 and 7, there shall be famines and pestilence. There's going to be poverty. There's going to be, and I mean, we are, we are people who are living in that time. Now, look, we don't know as much about poverty, but do you know that poverty is greater in the world right now than it's ever been? There's more famines in the world right now than it's ever been. There's, there's, there's more pestilence in the world than it's ever been. These things, when brought into modern terms, show us how close we really are. The Bible also said there's going to be earthquakes increased. There'll be earthquakes, the Bible said, in divers places. I dare you to go do a study on the, on the number of earthquakes that are happening now compared to 50 years ago. You'd be shocked. You'd be totally shocked because the number has increased astronomically. It's increased to the place that, that when they have a 7.5 uh, Richter scale earthquake, it, it it's hardly makes the news anymore because it's pretty common. Earthquakes are all over the world. 
They're even in America and in places that you never thought they would be. You know, we used to think of California or, or some place that's common for earthquakes, but now they're having them in the Midwest and they're having them in places that never has experienced earthquakes before. But the Bible said when time is almost up, there's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. That's one of the signs of the end time. Here's one of the signs. The Bible said that men are going to be seeking pleasure. They're going to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Are we there? I just ask you a simple question. Are we there? If I, and I, didn't, I started to try to look up all the statistics. I have old statistics in this lesson and booklet, but it would be mind-boggling to you right now to know how much money is spent for pleasure, for books and magazines and television, and amusements, and movies, and computers, and, and hobbies, and boats, and aircrafts, and entertainment, and sports, and recreation of all kinds. It, it would just blow your mind to know what all is being spent. And here's what I will tell you, that we have seen it come into the church where men, I don't care if you get mad at me tonight, if you're watching by internet, I'm talking to all of us. I want to tell you that when we love the world and the pleasures of the world more than we love the church, we're in trouble with God. Amen? It's hard being a pastor in 2022 and being truthful. But let me tell you how it would be taught when I was a kid. You don't put anything before God. You don't put pleasure before God. You don't teach your kids that pleasure is more important than church. And that's not easy to say nowadays because that conflicts with the thinking of our world. But, but you know, better, I, I, was, I, was having, I was having dinner with uh, someone this week and, 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 and they happened to have a time to to sit on this platform and watch on a Sunday morning. He said, I always wondered why you said, come on, worship, and why you would get up there and push people. He said, I just thought, and, and he sits close to the front, so he said, I just thought everybody was always worshiping until I got up here and looked out there. Maybe you need to get up here and look out there sometime because it might change your your." Uh, observation and, and the way you think about things. But here's the problem. When you got people that will say, oh, well, it's not that important, and we, we're going we're gonna to take little Joe over here and sister, little sissy over here, and, and uh, you want me to preach? Well, we got a ball game on Wednesday night, and we're not going to make it to church. Shame on you. We got our kids in dance, and that's the only night that shame on you. I love y'all. But I'm going to teach you truth. And the Bible said in the last days, people are going to become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, look, if you're taking a vacation and you're going off, nobody expects you to go to church. Look, I go vacation sometimes. Somebody said, why don't you come go to church? I said, I didn't come here to go to church. I come here to get away from church. That's what I do for a living. That's what I do all the time. 
Is that me? No, but I need a break sometime. I don't want to look at y'all all time. Y'all don't want to look at me all time. Take a vacation. Go to the mountains. Go to the beach. Go wherever you're going to go. But don't put things before God. Because when you start living a lifestyle, putting things before God, you are falling in the category of putting pleasure before God. And the Bible said in the last days, men will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You know what? Let's read a scripture. Take take your Bible real quick and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me just show you something in the Word of God. I, I, I won't ask Brother Jeff put it on the screen. He's running everything up there because Tommy Wheeler is tied up in traffic tonight, and uh, he's not going to make it, I don't think. But here's, here's, what, here's what 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3 says. I want you to listen to this, just four verses. 2 Timothy, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of them that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Somebody say, preach that, preacher. I am. And a bunch that need it aren't here tonight. But if you're here, you obviously need it too. And I need it. I do better when I preach to myself. And when I preach to all you, I'm preaching to me because we cannot be consumed with the pleasures of this world and be pleasing to God. Amen. One of the number one killers in America is heart failure. Do you know that? You know what the Bible said in Luke chapter 21? Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Heart failure. It's a sign of the end time. You know why stress and pressure and time is closing in on us? But here we are in the end time. Here's another one for you. Luke 17, verses 28 through 30, and 2 Timothy chapter 3 that I just read, verses 2 through 4, it talks about immorality. The Bible said this in 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 3 that I just read. This know also the last time perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. And it also says in that scripture, without natural affection. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Without natural affections mean you ain't natural if a woman loves a woman. And a man loves a man. Besides that, if you want to know what I think about it, you're stupid. Put that on the internet. Tweet that one out. I don't care. But the facts are, we're living in an immoral day. And it's not okay. I said it's not okay. I had people that talked with me just in the last six months 
that said, Pastor, we're afraid to bring people to church because of the way you say it. The preaching here will not change. If you can't handle this, you don't believe the Word of God because I'm, now the stupid remark was mine. That probably needs to change. But the Word of God says that's not biblical and that's not right and furthermore, it's a sin. Amen? I had one couple here a year or two ago that every time I mentioned a couple of things and one of them was homosexuality, I want to tell you something, brother. Just watch real close because, because sometimes it takes a little while for, for things to evolve. But let me just tell you, they'd get up and walk out of this church every time I preached. But I told my wife, I said, I, I, I detect something here because every time I mention some things, there's some people that get up and walk out. Now, you don't see that, but I'm up here and you're out there. But when they get up and walk out because I'm preaching against sin, I want to tell you that I know I'm doing good because I'm here to preach against sin. We might get off this lesson and do a real Bible study here. Amen. Bible said, as it were in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, like it also was in the days of Lot, the Bible said. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And you know what the Bible said? In Noah's day of unrestrained wickedness and immorality, the Bible said they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were partying. They were having a big time until the flood came. And in, and in Sodom's day and Lot's day, in Sodom there was a city or cities plagued by homosexuality. Why do you think that it's been called sodomy? Because that's what was prevalent in Sodom. And so that day God was a, so upset with Sodom and Gomorrah that he literally rained fire and brimstone down on them and destroyed two cities because of their sin of homosexuality. So immorality is, is and, and it's not just homosexuality, or it's any kind of perversion. It's adultery. It's fornication. We still believe you ought to stay pure till you're married. At least I do. Y'all like me now? Amen. Hang with me here. But the facts are, you can't live immoral. You can't live you, you, and be pleasing to God. And you know what? We are living in the most immoral. And here's the problem, guys. Here's the problem. The world is okay in what everybody does. I started not to say this, but I am. You won't have a clue, and so don't try to figure it out. I just saw somebody on Facebook today. I was clicking through there, and I saw somebody, and I knew that person. And, 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 and I've known them from years and years ago. But they don't go to church here, so quit trying to, don't even try to figure it out. But, but I knew who they were, and I knew their granddad, and I knew their dad. I knew they were preachers of the gospel. And I, and I looked, and, and, and this person was in that lifestyle of homosexuality. And I, I thought, oh, that's openly, openly. And, and I thought, man, I know they know better than that. But when I read on down, I, I was reading the people that said, 
They said, we had so many baptized that welcome to the family, honey. You are not in the family if you're living that lifestyle. My point is the world's trying to okay what they're doing. And they're trying to make the church believe it's okay what they're doing. It's not okay the lifestyle of the world. We've got to get away from that kind of lifestyle before Jesus comes. Amen. Hallelujah. He also said knowledge would be increased. In Daniel, one of the prophecies of Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4 I can see right now I'm not going to get very far tonight. He said, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Do you, do you have a clue? Now, I, don't, I don't know the statistic. I, I know I've read it in times past, but today how quickly knowledge is being increased. I mean, knowledge is it's, it's, it's like quadrupling every every little while. I mean, how many of you thought that 25 years ago you would take this and run your life? We live by it, don't we? We text, we call, we go to the Internet, we look up, we order off of Amazon, we live by it. Am I, everybody with me tonight? If you don't, well, you're behind. This is the way of the world. This is, this is what happens. Technology is crazy. Computers, cell phones, chips. Well, let's talk about that in just a minute. So those are, those are some things that, that were mentioned. The increase of knowledge, immorality, earthquakes. You see that graph of the earthquakes. And, and, and then uh, pleasure-seeking, famine, poverty, uh, all these things. So let's go to the next chart, Brother Joe. Amen. He's running the cameras on this side, and he's having to run over here and get the t- So we'll give him just a minute. You'll lose weight like this, Jeff. Amen. I'll run you enough. So... Maybe you ought to swap places with me and I need to run now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody having a good time tonight? Say amen. Look at your neighbor across the aisle. Somebody say it's Bible study. Telling you what the Bible said. Here's chart two. Signs of the end religious. So, so I'm going to take a few minutes here tonight because this is so important. Jesus spoke to the Apostle John, and, and, and he wrote some things from the, the heart of God in Revelation. Uh, you see up on the left-hand side, apostasy and worldliness. We'll start right there. But, but let, me just, let me just say what he said to John. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis and Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. He said, I want you to write these things. So a close look at the seven churches of Asia Minor reveal the time clock of God in, uh, in the age that, that, that it's in or that, 
that it represents until we get to the coming of the Lord. So, so Revelation 1.19 said, for, to write these things which thou hast seen, and this was the revelation of Jesus Christ, and the things which are, and this is the church age, and the things which shall be hereafter, and that's the things concerning the great tribulation. So all of these things are written in the book of Revelation. If I, if I take you and show you the seven churches of Asia Minor, I want to run through them right quick because God said some things. Matter of fact, if you, if you want to take your Bible and go to Revelation chapter 2, it would be great. Let me just read the first five verses if I may. The Bible said unto the ch- angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand and who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and hast and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. Now that's where the Lord started writing to the first uh, to the churches uh, of Asia, and He wrote to to this to the book to the church at Ephesus first, but this church represented the first period, which was the book of Acts church. And it ended with the last living apostle, which was John the Revelator. And this church period was from the day of Pentecost until 96 A.D. That's what this represented, this time that represented that. But the Lord during that time saw the falling away and he saw what was happening to the early church and he wrote to Ephesus, he said, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. So that was representation of where the church age started and how it started to fall away. The second church that he wrote to is Smyrna. It's the church that the Lord addressed and he said, to them and to the, the angel of the church at Smyrna right. And though this church covered, if you want to study that church, from 96 A.D. to 36 A.D. And uh, during that time, it was the time of martyrdom. It's when Christians were martyred. It was a time of, uh, of, of, of Polycarp, the bishop of the church, and he was one of the first martyrs and the death that came and and. and he, if you look at the church at Smyrna, it literally means, Smyrna means death and suffering. It was a time of death and suffering for the church. The Lord went on and he spoke to the church. These are the seven churches. He spoke to the church at Pergamos. It was the third church that the Lord addressed in Revelation. And he said, he said to them, some things that were important to that period of time. Let me tell you, that period of time covered from 316 A.D. to 500 A.D. And so this was the next period of time. The name Pergamos, the very church name Pergamos, arrives from Greek words that when you put them all together, it means church married with the world. 
And the Lord was upset with Pergamos because they were married to the world. And then it goes a little further, and the Lord addresses another church age, the church at Thyatira. That that means continual sacrifice. Now, this was the church age from 500 A.D. to 1500 A.D., and the secular history names that the period of the Dark Ages. If you want to study that, that's the period. That's what that church in Thyatira represented. This is the period when the Roman Catholic Church dominated the people and, and took them into spiritual darkness by... And, and it, was, it was the masses and the penance and the continual sacrificing, the replacing, replacing of the original gospel of Jesus Christ, the installation of the Trinitarian doctrine into the church. It was a lot of things that happened during that time. But the Lord wrote to the church at Thyatira. Here's what he said in Revelations 2 and 20. He said, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. The, the woman Jezebel was a, was a type of the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I'm not attacking any church, but I want to tell you that this is where some damnable doctrines come from, and you need to know that. She, you know, Jezebel was a, a heathen woman that uh, took the life of a, of a prophet, and God had to deal with her angrily because, you know, when you think of Jezebel, you think of a woman that's made up and got all kind of stuff on, and, and you said it, and I have too. She looks like a Jezebel. You might as well go ahead and say it with me. Because that's what the scripture talks about when it talks about Jezebel. She's no, she was known for killing the prophet and painting her face and, and uh, worshiping uh, idol and uh, gods, heathen gods. And this is what she was. She, she, and so the Lord likened that period of time. And then he talked to the fifth church, Sardis. Under the church, the angel of Sardis, he wrote. And this is the church period known as the Reformation in history. It, was, it, was, it began at 1500, and it went all the way up to 1900. And it's, this is the time of the D.L. Moody's and the Charles Finney's and the, the, great, the great preachers that came in, the Reformation, the Martin Luther's that came along that we talked about in previous lesson. Here's what the Lord said unto the church at Sardis. He said, I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. I have not found thy works perfect before God. So, so the Lord was telling these people, he was telling these churches, and he was laying out what is going to happen from the time of the book of Acts all the way to the 1900s. Now, the, the, the last two churches are the Philadelphia church and the Laodicean church. And both of those, listen to me carefully, represent the day that we live in until the time of the coming of the Lord because the Philadelphia church was a spiritual church, but the Laodicean church was a carnal church. And he likened Philadelphia and Laodicea to the church age in which we live. The last church that the Lord addressed was the church of Laodicea. And let me tell you, he wasn't pleased with Laodicea. He said, I know your works. 
And he said, I know you're neither cold or hot. So I'm going to spew you out. You're lukewarm. So I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He said, you say, and I'm just paraphrasing now, that you're, in, you're, you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Does that sound like our world? He said, but I want to tell you, you are wretched and you are naked and you are poor. And he said, I counsel of thee to buy of me gold that's been tried in the fire. He said, I want you to get eye salve and put it on your eyes, the eye salve of the Spirit, because the Lord wants you to see something, Laodicea. We are living in a Laodicean age. But I want to tell you, I did a study one time. It's 47 miles, literally, from Laodicea to Philadelphia. And if you want to be a Philadelphia church, it's not very far to get there. You just got to do what God wants you to do. And let's be the spiritual the church that God wants us to be in the last days of time. Somebody shout amen. So, so we, we see the Laodicean church. But we know that God wants us to be different. Different. Somebody say different. So to be different, you have to abandon Laodicea and become Philadelphia. Apostasy and worldliness. Apostasy is abandoning one's religious faith. That's actually what it is. That's abandoning what you believe. If I had to pick a subject right now to talk about that would be so relevant to our day, it would be deceit. And the Lord talks about it often. He talks about it coming in the last days of people being deceived in the last days. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we not done many mighty works? And he's going to say, sorry. I don't know you. Because you can go through the acts and you can be deceived. Everybody that claims to be is not. I'm just telling you, Jesus said when they say Christ is over here, go not there. That's not him. You read me? When they say go over here, he said, don't go over there. That's not him. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. You don't judge the church by how high they can jump and how great the music is and how fantastic a speaker the preacher is. You judge the church by this right here. And if the doctrine and the principles of the church don't line up to this, you better stay away from that. And I see a lot of people selling this to go to that. You know what I, I desire, Brother Eric, every pew in this building to be packed full I'd like to have to preach three times next Sunday. I'd love to do that. But I'm not going to give up truth to pack this building. 
Not going to happen here. Buy the truth, Jesus said, and sell it not. You, you can't, apostasy is leaving and abandoning your religious faith. And the things that you've been taught and you've experienced and you know, how can to, gee, look, the word of God is so, so blatant about some things. It said, how can two walk together except they agree? How can two walk together? How can you, you know, I've had people tell me, well, you know, my, my, my kid's going over here. I'm just going to use that. My kid's going over here, so I'm going to go over here. Well, first of all, you can't let the inmates run the prison. My kids didn't tell me where to go. I told my kids where to go. I got a feeling I'm on a little shaky ground here right now, but it's okay. I've been there before. I got Bible. I'm the parent. You're the kid. You're sliding your feet under my table. I'm feeding you. As long as you're doing that, you go do what I say. And when you don't do that, you go do what you want to. But you're going to do it in another house, at another place. That's mean, isn't it? It's called tough love. But I'm going to go over here where my kid's at. Okay. Are you weighing? Are you really weighing out where you're going? Do you really believe? Do you? Happy birthday, Kenny. I didn't know you was here. Too many of them will kill you. Welcome home, by the way. Y'all globe trotted on me. Do, do you really believe? That, that you can just forsake everything that you've learned in the Word of God for a good feeling, for a friend, for one of your children? You know what? If one of my children walk away from truth, I'm not walking away from truth. If my best friend walks away from truth, I'm not walking away from truth. If all of you whom I love walk away from truth, this pastor's not walking away from truth. I may be the last man standing, but I am determined and I've made up my mind. I'm going to walk in the ways of the, the Lord and not the world. I'm not going to be deceived by somebody that's got a half truth. And I don't care if they've got oil dripping out of the tip of their fingers. I want to know what you believe. I want to know how you baptize. I want to know if you believe in the Holy Ghost. I want to know if you believe in repentance. I want to know if you believe the doctrine. I want to know if you believe in living for God the way the book says live for God. So I'll say this to you. Be careful and don't fall into apostasy and worldliness because that is what's happening to many in the last days. There's an old statistic and I'm sure it still runs true. Do you know that most folks die within 25 miles from home. Do you know that? I looked it up years ago. Now, don't be like the Aggie. He read that statistic, and so he moved. We might as well have a little laughter while we're at it. 
But the facts are, most people die within 25 miles of home. I wonder how many are going to be like an Agrippa of the 21st century and say, I almost made it. I almost made it. I lived for God for years. I walked with God for years. I prayed in that church. I fasted. I made church attendance. I'd done everything that I was supposed to do. I almost made it. Almost is not enough. Somebody here hear me tonight. So I'm hurrying now. I have just a few minutes. False Christ, I touched on that. Cults. Anybody know what a cult is? Cult. Anybody lived through the 70s? Yeah, you did because I can look at you and tell. You remember, you remember Jim Jones? Anybody remember the story of Jim Jones? I was telling somebody, some younger people about it, but I don't think they had discovered America at that time. But I remember Jim Jones. He had a cult down in Ghana. What, is that what it was, Ghana? People believed in him. It was a cult. Whatever he said do, that's what they done. And so they all died together. 900 and something people drank the poison. And when they found them, they were all dead together. Does anybody remember David Koresh? I'll bring it a little closer. David Koresh, Waco, Texas, a cult. Do you know there's cults around us? Do you know there's cults around this city and in this area? Do you know that? You know what a cult is? A cult is when you more or less worship a man and you don't worship God. And a man stands up there and tells you, you know, I, 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 know, I know places not far from here where the preachers deliver the babies. Or did, I guess they still do. Not me, honey. You ain't come to my house. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you in trouble if you're waiting on me. But the facts are, they they ruin, they they literally run people's lives. An occult is where there's a dictatorship and you say you gotta do this, 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 this. And you know, why? Because I said so. And you fall into that. And 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 there's cults all over America and all over the world. And there's a revival of cultism and witchcraft in our world today. Revival of witchcraft. Things that you wouldn't believe that are happening in our world this very day. So it's what I've come to tell you that these are not just things that are well, it might come to pass. These are things that are coming to pass. Here's what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He said this about witchcraft. He said, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. There's that apostasy. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I might hurt somebody's feelings right here, but I don't read the horoscope. If you do, you don't need to. I'm not going to some crazy person and hold my hand out and let them start reading the lines in my hand telling me what's going to happen in my life. Are y'all with me? See, this is the day we live in. I know people in the past that have 
they had to read their horoscope every morning to find out if they was going to live through the day. Have I ever read it? Oh, I have read it. Do I ever believe it? No, not a word of it. My horoscope's right here. I know where I'm going. Amen? I may not can tell you every detail between here and there, but I know where I'm headed. And I know where my home's going to be. I know where I'm going. But, but we're living in the day of seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We're living in that day. If you, if you had, uh, there's astrology, there's, there's horoscopes. It is a thriving business in America. I mean, uh, now, now we've, re, uh, we, we, we went to a place that even law enforcement are using these people that are supposed to be able to tell them where a body's supposed to be found. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. You read about this stuff all the time. You know, so-and-so got murdered. Well, tell us where the body is, and you got these, ah. About the closest I've ever been to that kind of stuff was when I was a teenage boy, and they had one right up here on the corner of Desired Street and, and 165. And we'd knock on the door and get the old girl there and give her a hard time and then leave. Mother Helen, that's who it was, Mother Helen. Mother Helen didn't like me. But you know what? We've had that around a long time, and it's more and more. And now you can, now you can get on the Internet. Now you, can, you don't even have to go. You can get on the Internet, and they can talk to you. And you can, you can FaceTime or, or Zoom or whatever they do, and they can tell you your future. They'll tell you you're going to marry that gentleman that's six foot six and blue-eyed and wavy hair and got $4 million in the bank. Lie. You know how many lives have been destroyed? But do you know what? Let me just tell you, witchcraft's real. And the demons of hell do work through that stuff. And don't think that people can't fall into that. And don't think you can't fall into that. You can get in a cult or a, or a place of witchcraft and, and, and witches are real. They're real. They were real in the Bible. Do you, do you know Saul had a witch go to the, the burial place of Samuel and call Samuel's spirit up out of the grave? Because he wanted to hear Samuel. You know what Samuel said? Why have you disquieted me? Do you know a witch called up a dead man? You think it's not real? That's why you got to have this. Because the Bible said try the spirits. Try the spirit. You got to know where it comes from. You got to know if it's God or if it's a witch. You got to know the difference. Amen. I'm not looking for witches. I'm not looking for cults. I'm not looking for any of that stuff. But I want to tell you it exists. And as children of God, we better be aware that it's the last days and it's all around us. And you may encounter it at any point in time. Amen. So you got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. And you got to stay knowledgeable about the Word of God. And you got to try the spirits when they come your way. Is that all right with everybody? 
I'm preaching truth here today. And then that's not the only thing. All those things are going to come to pass. Everybody, but guess what else is going to happen? See that bottom corner right there where it says expansion and revival? The Bible said in the last days, saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I believe this is the greatest hour for the church. Ladies and gentlemen, the darker the night the brighter the light. The darker it is in our world, the church ought to be like a city set on a hill. Our candle ought to be out from under the bushel. We ought to be shining in the noonday sun because this is the greatest hour that the church has ever known. Hallelujah. So there's going to come a revival in the last days. I'm telling you, I believe that. I believe they're coming from every walk of life. I believe backsliders are coming home. I believe people who have drifted away are coming back. I still, yes, I do. You say, well, pastor, why does this church, why do we go through this and why do we go through that? Let me tell you why. Because he's God. He owns the church. He's got it all in the palm of his hands. He knows what he's doing. And let me tell you this. I stand on the promises of God. I can't answer every little question you have, but I can tell you that this gospel is going to be powerful in the last days and the Lord is going to pour out his spirit like he's never poured it out upon mankind and people are going to receive it because that's the will of God for the last day church. Hallelujah. Amen. Gospel is going to be preached to every nation. The Bible says that. Who's got questions here tonight? I'm, 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 I'm five minutes from closing time. Who's got questions or things, things you want to add to what I've got to say? Look, there's no way I can name everything when it comes to all the things that we are involved in and the coming of the Lord being so near. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, you ought to get up every morning looking for the coming of the Lord. We're going to talk about it again next week, the rapture of the church. We're going to talk about the rapture of the church. We're going to talk about the battle of Armageddon. That's coming in next week's lesson. I believe in the rapture of the church. I'm not going there tonight because if I get into that, you're not going to get out of here in time. I'm going to stop right there. But Gary? Thank you for that. Good advertisement. Yeah, got to have it deep down inside. Got to know it. 
Got to know it. Got to know the difference. Look, I can put hen house across the front of this church. There, not, there, may, there probably won't be a chicken in here. Just because you got it on your door don't mean nothing. Yep. I agree. Great. Anybody else? Come, ushers. We need to get an offering. I'm going to see how good y'all give after this Wednesday night. We'll see if y'all really love Jesus or not. Because I've told you what Jesus had to say tonight. Amen. Go right ahead, guys. Anybody else got anything to say? Any, any questions? I'll be happy to, to try to answer your questions. I hope you understand the seven churches of Asia Minor. I went through them quickly. But go read that in the, in the first couple of chapters of Revelation and read because every one of those churches represent an age of the church. And, and they represent a time and a span where God was displeased about certain things. And he talked about those churches in Revelation. You, let me tell you this. You can never really understand Revelation without going back to the book of Daniel. Now, I didn't get there tonight, but, but we're going to get there. The book of Daniel and the prophecies of Daniel and how they line up with the book of Revelation. Okay, Daniel, way back in the Old Testament, prophesied of things that are going to come to pass in the end time. And when you read of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's interpretation of that dream and the things that are happening and how they're going to happen, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk some more. We're going to talk about the mark of the beast. We're going to talk about the one world money system. We're going to talk about what's coming, how it's coming down. Things have changed. Time has changed. Let me tell you something. There. there Bitcoin is not a it's not just a something out of the blue. It's a worldwide currency. And it's not gonna be I'm gonna throw this in just to give you a little taste. It's not gonna be very long for you ain't gonna be able to spend your money. Your cash is gonna be worthless. Cause they wanna they wanna follow everybody and everything and 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 the big boy is watching you. And he wants to know more about you. And we are headed toward the mark of the beast and the one world money system and the one world government. And we are nearer than what you can even imagine. If you can't see that, you're probably spiritually blind right now. Pray God would open your eyes. Anybody else, real quick, don't talk about that. That was just a little precursor to what we're going to talk about. Every day, every day. I was sitting there reading this morning, Sister Doris, thinking, Lord, I want this in me every day, every day, every. Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And you know what the Bible said? They picked up manna every day. You know what the word of God is? Manna, manna every day. You can't get enough to last the next Easter. You got to get it every day. Stand up before I preach again. Hallelujah. Amen. Great, great time here tonight. And I know you know these things, but these are things that we need. I told, told someone today, I, I think we've been about four months now on the search for truth. But we're still searching. And we want truth. Amen. Josh, good to see you tonight, buddy. Glad you're here this evening. Amen. All of you, thank you for coming. I see guests that are here. Thank you all. And I appreciate you being with us. God bless you. Sunday's going to be a great day. We had a great move of the Holy Ghost here Sunday. I don't know if you were moved, but I was moved. And I want to tell you again, you better think about eternity every day.
every day. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, you better be thinking about eternity. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for the peace of God and the, the word that you've put in us so that we can live our lives in these last days knowing that you're in charge and you've got all things in your hands and everything that's happening around us is planned by you. You order the steps of the church and you take care of the church in the crisis time. I thank you for what you're doing and what you've already done. And I believe, God, the word of the Lord. Put it deep into our spirit today. Thank you in Jesus' name and bless this people as we go our way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday. We're going to have a good time. Hallelujah.